Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a very special episode of Swings and Mishes. I'm your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by Craig Mish, as always. And we have a very special interview uh, today on the show. And Craig, we, we can just sort of get right into explaining what that is and how this came about. Um, so, Craig, why don't you go ahead and just take it away for a second here right off the top? Yeah, and, and first of all, I, I know that there are a lot of you who are, are craving for news and craving for info, and, and this is just a different time that we're going through right now in sports and life and in general. And, and for me, this is as tough as it gets. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just you know, most worried about everybody else who's out there, who is older, who you know, has uh, medical issues for sure. That's what's on my mind. I feel very fortunate and blessed to be in the position that I'm in. But yeah, I mean, taking away baseball for me is, is essentially taking away more or less the livelihood that I have and what I cover. But that's a small piece of life. And really, honestly, with everything that's going on, um, you know, I think it's just way more important right now that everyone takes everything seriously and practices social distancing, staying at home as much as they can, washing their hands. I think that's just so important right now. And then hopefully we'll be able to have baseball back soon. Um, on this podcast today, we're going to have Dan Straley, who pitched for the Marlins for two years. Everyone remembers the deal uh, that brought him over in return for Luis Castillo. Castillo has gone on to be a very good pitcher. There's no question about that. But at the same time, um, let's not forget how many starts Dan Straley made for this team. And, and simply put, you just don't know players until you get to meet them on a personal basis. Unfortunately, I have a very good relationship with Dan. So when he decided to go play uh, in the KBO, I was hopeful to have him on the podcast at some point right before their season started. So lo and behold, here we are, and his season's about to get underway on Saturday. All their games are being streamed. You can watch them on YouTube. You can watch him pitch as well. It's the only baseball going on right now. And so it becomes a completely different conversation than the one that I thought that we would be having a few months ago. Uh, in terms of what's going on right now, before we get into Danny um, and talking about the Marlins here for a minute, just from my perspective, what am I doing uh, as far as baseball coverage, as far as covering the Marlins? I think that you guys follow me on Twitter or you follow Swings and Mishes or our website. There's not a lot happening. Uh, Marlins at this point, at least from what I'm kind of gathering, have chosen not, not on purpose to go through like this silent period, but there's, that, there's this dynamic of, of making roster moves versus everything else that's going out in the world. It doesn't mean that the Cardinals or the Mariners or the Pirates are doing things the right way or the wrong way. It's just the Marlins in this particular situation, at least from what I'm gathering, uh, are just kind of waiting to see how this thing all plays out before we get any kind of real news. That There'll be some sort of deadline and there'll be some sort of process that they'll have to do to set their 26-man roster. And of course, when we find out more about the season, we'll find out that about as well. Uh, but that's kind of what's happening. So they're quiet. And so that's why I think you see some teams making moves. The Marlins in this particular situation have chosen to just wait and you know you can do that or you can do it the other way like some other teams have and I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer for either way that the teams have chosen to do that um, as far as what I've heard and then Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic is now starting to report this stuff and I'll uh, and I'll you know follow up on it as well but um, we're getting closer and maybe by the time that this podcast uh, rolls out uh, we're getting closer to finding out what baseball's plan is from what I understand we're getting very close so at least from the time, and, and it's working out service time, and it's working out, you know, how many games potentially could be played. Well, that will be, will that a, you know, be a, a year of service time for players? Will it not? 
Uh, the MLB draft is definitely on the table. That's something that I'm working on uh, as well, just trying to stay on top of, because that's supremely important uh, for the Marlins as well, to not have a draft. It's like unthinkable. That would, that would to me, that would set things back a year or two, you need mm-hmm. to, you need to, especially Miami's situation. I would think the teams at the bottom uh, or the teams at the top of the draft would want a draft, and I don't know if the other teams would really care all that much about it, but it's supremely important. I think inevitably that gets done as well. But, Jeremy, what I think mm-hmm. we're looking at here, is I think we're looking at a start date that is unknown, of course, but when they determine that, whether it is June or whether it's July, and I think that's, that's the window right now that we're, we're sort of hearing and looking at, not knowing what the future holds, but four or five weeks away from having a potential spring training again from different people that I've talked to and, you know, again, just kind of loosely discussing the potential of a three-week spring training where pitchers report a week early batters get in there they have two weeks uh potentially exhibition games in in yeah and some of them in their spring training sites you know re-reporting back to where they were again mm. um playing locally against so in the marlins case maybe it would be the cardinals it would be the nationals the astros uh and the mets uh, whether or not there'd be fans at any of these events is very questionable at this point whether or not there'd be fans in the stands in june is questionable at this point too i cannot speculate on all of this stuff but what i do know uh, from factual is that we're going to get some clarity here in the next uh, day or two. And maybe even by the time you're listening to this podcast, we have some more clarity on that. And again, from baseball's perspective, they don't have full clarity as to the medical and health situation of this country either. So it's going to be hard for them, but a tentative plan is definitely coming and will be put in place. Um, so uh, with all that said, a lot of the Marlins players um, have, have gone home. They've gone home. A lot of them have. Some have stayed locally. They were uh, fortunate in this situation. This is the one uh, great situation that the Marlins have where their spring training site is in Jupiter and they play in Miami. So some stayed local. Some ended up going home. I believe a lot of the pitchers stayed around in the area. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, some of the coaching staff also stayed around in the area, what they're doing in their private time. I'm I'm being careful about asking those kind of questions right now. I'm 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 kind of staying along the lines of is everybody healthy? How's everybody doing? Are you staying right. sane? Are you staying safe? I'm I'm not trying to really uh, pry too deep on the baseball side of that. But that being said, I understand that you guys you know are, are listening to a podcast, and a lot of some of you count on me to break news and give you guys news and information. And of course, if I heard anything uh, newsworthy or noteworthy, I would provide it uh, to you without a doubt. So. Uh, we will continue to do the podcast as as needed, essentially. Hmm. I thought in particular this one would be worth doing because Dan Straley pitched for the Marlins for two years and then inevitably was uh, let go by Miami in a situation that I'll bring up with uh, Dan as well, one that I've expressed here on this podcast that I thought was uh, unfair to him. I did not like how that went down. And, and then he discusses uh, everything with us in terms of playing in Korea, what he's going through with his family, the pandemic there, as opposed to it, you know, where it is here, how far they are ahead there, as opposed to being here, and just a life and baseball conversation about uh, somebody, essentially, whose career was flailing in the big leagues and had to make a decision. Do I try to make it? Do I try to latch on? Do I go to the minors again? Or do I set my family up now uh, financially for a few more years or maybe even for the rest of my life by going to pitch in Korea? Um, Dan made that decision to pitch in Korea. And so here he is, Dan Straley, on this episode of Swings and Missions. 
He swings and misses. And Straley gets a strikeout. And joining us here from Busan, South Korea, of course, he pitched for the Miami Marlins in 2017, 2018. And now having the experience of a lifetime pitching in the KBO with everything that is going on in the world, not just here in the States, but abroad as well. Dan Straley joins us here on the show. Danny with 10 and 9 with a 4.26 ERA, 2017-2018, also with a good year for the Marlins. And uh, decided to make the trek after 2019 to pitch in the KBO. We'll get into that as well as everything else that's going on with him and his family. Dan, thanks so much for coming on Swings and Mishes. Good to have you back again under definitely uh, different and strange circumstances, to say the least. But thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so let, let's kind of circle back here, uh, Dan, if you don't mind. Um, on you know, And we'll get into everything that's going on in the world and, and of course, uh, the pandemic that's going on and how it affected you. And I uh, saw the, the written interview that you did with The Athletic as well. Uh, but I wanted to start off with first the decision that you made to uh, leave the States and decide to join the KBO uh, personally, uh, as you and I have talked about, and I've mentioned many times, um, I mean, you were an anchor in the Marlins rotation. You made 33 starts in 17. I know that you had some hiccups in 2018. Um, and then, of course, in, in my opinion, and you know, I've discussed this on here on this podcast. In fact, we discussed this on the last podcast. Uh, it was a very unfortunate and raw deal that you were given to have to be uh, let go right before the season started. And that kind of derailed your 2019 with the Orioles. But inevitably, let's let the past be the past and talk about the future. Uh, how did this happen? How did this come up, uh, come about? And when did you make that decision to say, hey, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, not play uh, MLB. I'm going to play overseas. Yeah, no, the past is the past. And, but the past also helps shape your future, correct? And Absolutely. Yeah. for me, the, it was a big shock when I got released by the Marlins. It was not something I expected. It was not something, uh, you know, frankly, anyone in the clubhouse, I think, expected. I was, you know, it just it was, thought I was walking into office to find out what game I was starting for the season. Um, and then, you know, I just, just hear you're being let go. It really kind of turned my world upside down in a moment, like in an absolute instant. Um, you know, I poured everything I had into the organization. I poured everything I had into the people around me. And then just to just be kicked to the curb um, at a, you know, at, at a time when I came off waivers three hours before teams had to set their 25-man rosters. It just was not an ideal time um, for that to happen, period. And, um, you know, I, I honestly was shocked that that's even allowed. Um, to be quite honest, that they're, they're, you're allowed to do that that close to the, the, the roster deadline. And so I went home in Italy for two weeks and didn't face a hitter. And then got right into a situation where I'm facing the Yankees and then the Athletics and then the Red Sox back to back to back. And I just, I just wasn't ready. And I was never able to crawl out of that hole of, uh, of, of ill-preparedness. You know, you can go home and train all you want, but you cannot replace uh, facing hitters in a major league setting, even if it is spring training, you can't, you can't replace that, especially at home. And, and, and so uh, it just kind of derailed my, the start of my season and I wasn't quite able to recover from that. And it wasn't until I, I never really got DFA by the Orioles that I was able to kind of gather myself and go pitch like I'm capable of and get myself back on track. And I did that. And albeit it was in AAA, I did that. And I was fortunate enough that I was able to get myself traded to the Phillies. And then um, when I didn't get called up there, basically was told that, you know, that there was no 
no real reason to call us up, to call me up because there was, you know, they, they had five guys. They were going to roll with their five guys, even though I was pitching pretty well at the time. And uh, so when the offseason rolled around, it wasn't like I had, you know, a bunch of people knocking on my door saying, hey, come pitch for us. Um, you know, I just did not put up the numbers the year before, and that's how it works. You have to pitch well to get the job next year. And when it kind of came down to decision time, I was kind of forced, do I go accept a minor league job and fight for a job in the big leagues, or do I go take a, a guaranteed deal and kind of get myself, kind of finish that getting myself back on track, if you will, and see what happens in the future. And just given the politics that I dealt with the year before, um, you know, essentially, it just, it just, I wasn't, I didn't want to deal with it. And it's not that I didn't believe in myself. It's that I just, I just didn't want to deal with it at the time. And I really thought that, you know, the, the stuff that was going on over here in Korea, um, looking at some of the, the maps that some of the other guys have put together, the roadmaps uh, for success over here, I felt that I can come over here and have a lot of success and, and see what happens, you know, whether that means to, you know, years over here, or if that means going back to the States next year, you know, time will tell that, but, uh, just really felt like for at the time it was like you know you don't get a ton of time to make these decisions and my agent did a great job of keeping me prepared um, to make the decision to have to come overseas and and so when the, when the offers started coming in um, you know it was, it was a it was a pretty clear-cut decision we waited until winter meetings were over to uh, essentially hear any offers from over here and as soon as winter meetings were over I signed over here uh, Danny, how much how much self doubt did you have before signing, uh, before making that decision in the KBO, uh, after pitching at a you know at what I would consider between Cincinnati and Miami, a a very quality starter, if not, I mean you led the league in games started in 2017. I mean people don't realize that, um, but how much self doubt did you have after that year with Baltimore and Philadelphia to say, my gosh, I'm sitting in a spot here, I haven't got my 10 years uh, in the big leagues yet. Did you think that's it? Like maybe this is it? Like this short-term deal? Like I know you thought. I mean, we've talked. I know that you thought you pitched in the big leagues fifteen years. Um, did you have yeah, self doubt that that was it? I really didn't. And what, ironically enough, me coming here was the, almost the exact opposite of that. Where um, a lot of guys I talked to about that had chances to come over here that said no. Um, essentially, they said no because they thought that they were signing like their death warrant on their major league career. And I didn't feel like I was that way. I felt like um, the things that I was getting better at, the things that I, I've, I've been the same pitcher for, for, for year after year. And the things that I was like lacking in my game at the beginning of last year, like showed up at the end of last year. The, the fastball command, the slider was there, the changeup command was there. Like all that stuff was there. The stuff that I need to be successful and like, but you can't like say that to GMs and, and get a job that way. Like that doesn't work. Like you have to show up and you have to prove it over and over and over and over again. And I just didn't really see that, that fit where I just really wanted to go fight for the chance to, to maybe make a roster somewhere for less money in the States than I'm going to make in Korea. Yeah, and, and that's guaranteed money, you know? I mean, and that's that's money that potentially sets you up for the rest of your life. I know you've made good money over the course of your Major League Baseball career, and, um, you know, some of that also was taken away from you also uh, at the start of the 2019 season, as you alluded to. Perhaps we'll go back to that as well. Um, so you signed to play in the KBO. 
And then a couple months after that, you are getting ready. I know you, know you and a couple of teammates from the US are getting ready to go over there. And then you and your whole family have your world rocked, like our world is rocked, having the coronavirus pandemic. And so what happens there, Dan? I mean, are you thinking to yourself, what am I doing here? Did I make the wrong decision? How am I going to handle this? And, and quite frankly, how did the KBO handle it? How did your family handle it? It's very open-ended for me to kind of answer this one because it had to be scary for you. I mean, uh, Dan, I'm sitting in my house in Florida. I mean, you could be sitting in your house in Oregon. Instead, you're fighting not only for your team, but your financial freedom in your family as well. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how things work out sometimes where when I left, when I left Oregon, there was, you know, it, it was kind of the you know, it was like, oh, there was, there was a bunch of stuff going on in China. And it wasn't even in South Korea yet. It was kind of just like, kind of just really starting to snowball. Um, when I left for Australia, as soon as I got to Australia for spring training, um, because there's a lot of people probably don't know that are listening, would probably like the KBO, you don't like, there's no like one spot some people go. Like some people are in Florida, somewhere in Arizona, somewhere in Japan, somewhere in Australia. And then like usually in a couple of weeks, they switch locations and it's just kind of like a, a different way to do spring training. Um, but so we were in Australia and as soon as we got there, it was like all of a sudden, like there was cases in Australia and like, we're reading seeing the news where like, they're sending the, the Australian citizens that are coming back from China to like one of their military bases on one of the islands. And, and they're just, they're, they're handling it their own way. And then all of a sudden everything kind of went crazy here in Korea. And so we were supposed to be in, in Australia for five weeks, turned into seven weeks, um, after we kept getting delayed and delayed. And while we were there, you know, I'm with, there's like 50 guys in our travel party and, and 42 of them are from Korea. And so their families are all here. They're, they were going through kind of what I'm going through now with my family in America, you know, being sitting at home and, you know, my son hasn't left the house in two weeks and my wife is in medical care. So she's working. And so they're kind of like, you know, you're just kind of in this like weird place where it's like, I'm not there to help. And but I saw my teammates go through it and I saw how kind of how they handled it essentially. And so I was able to just kind of, you know, hear from them and talk to them about some different things with the translator, obviously, but like the, the way that you handle it, I think is you just like show up to work every day. I haven't, I've been fortunate enough that I haven't been in a place where everything's on lockdown yet. You know, I kind of like was in Australia and we were in a spot that was very safe. It was like a, an Australian tourist destination, not like a foreigner's tourist destination. So like we didn't have any cases in the town I was in. And then when I came to here to South Korea, like what was it two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, like everything here is kind of like five weeks ahead of like the States. And so it's calmed down a little bit, a lot of bit. And they've, they've really stopped the spread. Um, there's still more cases showing up, but they're stopping the spread. And so, you know, it is, it's, uh, it's, it's unknown. Unknown is scary. And uh, that's for all humans in any walk of life. Like anything that's unknown is, is a little scary. Um, but like, if everyone kind of does their part and everyone kind of just, you know, like keeps, the, keeps themselves clean and keeps themselves inside and, and takes care of themselves that way, you know, it's a great time to be selfish. It's a great time to, to sit at home and, and just take care of yourself because, you know, it's, it's not much doing much good to go out into the, out into the world right now. No, no, it's not. And wherever you live, and, and that's for sure. Um, you, you knew, and you mentioned something there that I want to ask you about. I mean, you knew how tough this would be, uh, and, and you're a big family guy, for sure. I mean, your family's been with you every step of the way, Miami, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Houston, Cubs, A's. Um, you knew this was going to yeah. be tough. You knew this was going to be tough when you went to South Korea, and I'm not trying to pull your heartstrings here at all, Dan. That's not what I'm doing. But you knew it would be tough to begin with. 
So I guess the question that I would have for you is that, has this been the biggest family challenge of your life too? Not just going to Korea, because that happens. I mean, players go and they play overseas, they play in Japan, they change their lives. Sometimes the families come with them, sometimes they don't. But you mentioned that unknown factor. Like that's the one thing that I can't put myself in your shoes for a minute here, aside from the baseball, is being so far away from the family and doing your, as you mentioned, your Skype calls and your, uh, and your, and just your phone calls with your family, you know, you know, hoping that everything's going to be okay in the place that you live and not really knowing like that, that to me is the, the thing that just punches me. You know, I don't know how I can handle that. Yeah. When, uh, when I left Oregon, uh, going off to, to Australia for spring training, um, one of the last conversations me and my wife had was, um, you know, this could be goodbye for nine months. You know, this could be the, at the time it was kind of like, you know, we, we, the virus was kind of starting to pick up. We didn't know where it was going. We didn't know. No one knew. No one knew. No one, no one pulled out the crystal ball and said, Oh, it's going to be here. It's going to be there. No, like at this time it was just kind of in China. And I was like, man, I'm going really close to China. And so we just said, you know, like, um, you know, like we can't, we can't put our son close to it. We can't because, you know, and if it comes to your town, your neighborhood, like that's different. Like, but you actually like taking your family into like the infected spot. That's, that's something you choose to do. Not, you don't, you don't choose for it to come to your neighborhood. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we decided that, you know, if things calm down, my family is going to come. Um, you know, we have, you know, I have a three bedroom condo here and it's not for myself. It's for my family. And if, if things calm down, they get to come. If they don't calm down, then I'll see them when the season's over. And yes, it's a challenge. It's not, it's always been a challenge. My wife has been with, uh, you know, she's been on the journey since, since I was drafted, she's been there. And, you know, when I was coming up to the minor leagues, um, we'd usually try to plan a trip for her to come out around the all-star break because minor league all-star breaks only three days made more sense for her to come out like a couple of days before spend the all-star break and a couple of days after. And, you know, I'd see her in that short window and then I'd see her six weeks later when the season ended. And, um, so, you know, we've, we've been in that situation before, but you know, this is obviously a little more extreme. Um, you know, now we've been married for going on eight years. We have a kid, like, it's just, it's, it's a different life, but, um, yeah, like, you know, the real, the real, the real winner here, the real champion here is her. She's the one that's taking care of our kid and working from home and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm just, I'm just out playing baseball. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that I can, I can rest easy knowing that, that it's not in my hands, like me panicking about it and me worrying about it, um, isn't going to help anything. And I think that baseball has taught me that, that life lesson along the way where, you know, you, you can't stress and worry about things that are out of your control. And this is definitely one of those things out of my control. So, you know, I take the baseball lessons in life and, and pass them forward where it's, okay, what can I control? Okay, I can control my hygiene I can control wearing over here everyone wears a mask everywhere you go like you're not allowed into like Starbucks you're not allowed into the bank if you don't wear a mask um and so it's like you know what can I I, I can control those things like I can't control other people but I can control those things and so that's just kind of like where we're at we're like I can't control if it goes away and my wife gets to come over or not so there's really no use me like worrying about it or stressing about it or wishing it was different like we just have to deal with what's in front of us and deal with day by day and, and how am I going to get through today? And you pile that up enough. And before you know it, I'll get to see my family again. Yeah. 
Wow, um, you know, really crazy stuff Dan Straley's going through right now. Uh, a lot of people, you know, ask me when I talk about Dan, uh, you know, how old is Dan? 35, 36, but Dan Straley's 31 years old, guys. Like, I mean, going through this at this stage of his career, um, you know, a lot of players much later on in their career try to reinvent themselves, they go other places, but uh, Dan taking this leap and playing in the KBO uh, here in 2020. So early on, so, so far, I believe you've had um, exhibitions that are going on right now. And you mentioned something that, and look, we, we can't predict what's going to happen here in the States, but I think that everybody, Danny, is wondering right now, wow, is that going to be the scenario in the U.S.? Are, are we uh, going to be going to baseball games this summer? I mean, maybe we won't, but if we go to baseball games this summer, are we going to all be wearing masks into games? Will fans be allowed into games? In these exhibitions I'm seeing, it doesn't look like there's any fans that I'm watching on your streams uh, at night. It looks like it's just... Uh, simply you and their players, by the way, wearing masks during the game. Do you think that that's in our future here in the States as well? I, I know that's a hard question for you to answer because, you know, certainly you can't predict what MLB and, and the players union is going to do. But, I mean, is there anything you're hearing as far as that? Or do you think that that's re a realistic thing? Um, so I, I, don't, I don't reach out to those guys or talk to those guys for, for the time being. Um, but I can tell you about here, and here is all about player safety. So, um it was, it was in the news here yesterday. Obviously, again, I couldn't read it or hear it, but um, I know it was in the news that uh, we had a, our practice was canceled on Monday. I was supposed to pitch on Monday, and our practice got canceled because one of our players wasn't feeling well. And so as soon as that happened, no one was allowed at the field. Um, that player went and got tested. Turns out he's fine. Um, but that, being that, that kind of precaution where it was – we're not going to put anybody in danger. And that's why everyone's wearing a mask. The day before, there was nobody wearing a mask on the field. But after that happened, we were informed that at the field, wear your mask as much as possible. Um, for us to walk into the baseball field, we, there's only one entrance open to the whole field. And there's three people standing there. One's taking your temperature. One's, like, making sure you're allowed in the field. And the other one is giving you hand sanitizer. And so, like, they're, every time you come in the field, like, they're checking. and it's just kind of like where we're at right now with our team. Um, you know, like I think that had we been here three weeks ago, we wouldn't even be allowed to practice here. You know, we wouldn't be allowed to congregate that in that big of a group, but that part's been lifted. So we're allowed to, to practice when it comes to allowing fans in the game and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've heard a lot of different things, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do here. Um, I've heard, you know, we're going to wait it out or I've heard we're going to start games with no fans allowed in at first. Um, and so, you know, that's up to the powers that be, you know, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not a decision maker in that situation. Um, you know, I'll just show up and, and pitch whenever they tell me to pitch, but, um, you, you'd think that there's some, some roadmap, maybe a little bit ahead for, for the players back in America, um, uh, for the, the, the guys in charge to see, okay, obviously no one's ever gone through this. These guys over in Asia went through it a few weeks ago. Here's what they're doing. Maybe they'll take that route. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But either way, um, most important thing is is player safety, staff safety, fan safety, and none of that's gonna. No baseball games are gonna happen until all you can check off all three of those boxes and, and allow the game to happen safely. Hey Dan, it's Jeremy. Um, I'm wondering, you know, following up on on the safety part of it, wondering in terms of preparation. You know, you've obviously prepared for multiple major league seasons and. All these pitchers, all these hitters here in America, you know, their spring training was cut short 
in your mind, what type of preparation would need to happen in terms of the baseball for these guys to be able to get back on the field? Is it another month? Is it, you know, how do you see a season sort of playing out when, you know, all these guys had been training so much in the off season and now, you know, a couple months may go by here without any sort of baseball happening. Yeah, I think, uh, I think spring training is the mostly part. And it's easy for me to say this because I am one, but it's for the pitcher. Um, I feel like if spring training was, if it wasn't for starting pitching, spring training would not need to be as long as it is because it's all about getting your starting pitching built up to get you through five or six, seven innings opening day. Like that's like the goal. And then once you get there, then it's just now things start to roll. But it's getting there as a process because you want to get there quick, but you also want to get there safely. Um, you know, spring training here is two months long, which sounds, you know, eight weeks here. That's like the longest spring training in America ever could be. Everyone would be so upset about that. And when we first got here, we were pitching every eight days and that's just how they do it. They do it very slow, very methodical to get yourself built up. Um, if you want to accelerate the process, it's still going to take a couple weeks. I mean, once you have like a start date, you're going to need a couple weeks to get starting pitching built back up. And, you know, obviously not everyone's going to build up at the same rate, but you got to think you got to make time for four starts and that's going to take 20 days. So you got to think like it's going to be at least that long more of spring training. That's just a pure guess, but you would think that that's kind of like how the system would work once there's a start date. Okay. Now you work backwards from the start date and then figuring out the scheduling and how much you're going to play and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole nother animal. But like in terms of like keeping players safe, like you got to get them there you got to get them back going again. And that's like 20, 20 days of games probably like, again, it's just a guess, but, that just seems like something like logical to me that, you know, once you have that kind of going, get all your starting pitching, you know, four games in, then you're, then you're ready to go. Yeah. Every, every, everyone I talk to, Dan says the same thing. It's going to be, um, it looks like three weeks, a week for pitchers early and then two weeks for batters, you know, eight, eight spring games, something like that. Um, okay. Uh, you know, you know, I, and you've given us so much time and I really appreciate this. And I, and I know that, you know, your time clock is completely different than our time clock as we're doing this. And there's so much going on in the world outside of baseball. Uh, but I would be remiss if we didn't end up and wrap up with discussion simply about you and this situation with you going to pitch in the KBO. And I watched the other night and I know, and I'd love for you to expand on it, just kind of how you're tinkering with some of your pitchers. I know, I know your slider was really something that worked for you in the past and that fell off a little bit in 2019 and, and the KBO is full of guys who really have perfected the off-speed stuff. I mean, Dan, this reminds me a lot of, of the guy who came back to pitch in the big leagues this year in Josh Lindblom. You know, he went over there and pitched in 2017. He came back now, got himself nicely paid. He's back in the big leagues again. He's, when the season begins, he's probably right in the middle or even close to the top of the Milwaukee Brewers rotation. And he was a standout in the KBO um, and he talked about all the different pitches that he was working with and, and his control and everything there just completely changed. Um, if you wouldn't mind, can you talk about that? Like your arsenal and, and what's happening here and how, and, and, how, and maybe if you're tra trying to transform yourself into something different or just simply being yourself by just altering the pitches that you already have learned. Yeah, no, I, uh, no problem talking about it. I, I, last year, you know, it's, my slider was like a career, like under 200 guys batting against. Like it was a really good pitch for me. Anytime I needed it, I could throw it for in the zone, out of the zone. Last year, not so much. Guys hit 450 to 500. It was something ridiculous, something embarrassing, like off of it. And so when I got sent down, that's when it kind of all started for me. When I got sent down with the Orioles, 
I immediately pulled out my gadgets and was like, okay, Trackman, Rapsodo, what's the, what's, what's changed? And just went back to some old stuff. Okay. I got that fixed. It took me two starts in the minor leagues to like, just, I think my first start in the minor leagues, I think I threw 38 sliders. My second one, like 44. Like I was just like, I'm going to fix this thing right now. And so I kind of got everything back going by the end of the year. So when I got over here, I was like, man, you know what? Like I've, I've always worked on a curveball. I've always kind of had a curveball, but it's never been a good curveball. It's always been like a double A curveball, like quality, <laughs> like you would expect. And, and it's, it's worked from time to time, but never been the pitch I'm looking for. So I went to a guy on our team. Uh, I asked our, our R and D department or what's, yeah, like what, like who's got, who's got like a, 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 a high spun fastball and a good curveball here. And I, they said, you know, they showed me the guy and I went and watched his bullpen. And I was like, wow, okay, that's a very good, it's just the 12, six and his fastball just plays up in the zone. You can see it just rides. And so I just went up to him and just said, Hey, how do you hold this? And he was just like, kind of taken back by it. Cause in, in, in the culture over here, he's younger than me. So I, I wouldn't typically go ask him like how he does something. And he showed me the grip. And I just like, for the first time, like I grabbed a curveball and I felt like I could just throw it as hard as I could. And it actually spun like a curveball. And so I've been working on that a little bit. And since I have all this extra time here, I mean, what is today? Thursday, I think today's Thursday. Um, we're supposed to have opening day on, on, on Saturday. And so, um, you know, we have extra time. And so I've been working on that and, and it's really turned into a pitch for me that like so far, I mean, I haven't used it in games, obviously, but it's turning into something that I'm actually comfortable with throwing, even in, in practice games where um, obviously the stats don't matter. You're here to work on stuff. Yada, yada. No, you're a competitor. Like when you get out there on the mound, like you can throw away all that, all that, all that stuff. Like I'm trying to get out. And so even in, even in these inner squad games, even in the, in, in, you know, the quote unquote spring games, like I'm just trying to get out and feeling comfortable enough to use this new pitch in that scenario has been good for me. And, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, reinventing my arsenal. No, I'm not trying to do that. I am simply working on, you know, making sure that looking at talking to Josh, talking to Seth Frankoff, talking to some other guys that have pitched over here before, you know, they talked about, you know, over here, if you just establish and if they just know you as an inside starter, like a pitcher, like you, you, it opens up even more than it does in America. It opens up everything. And so I've been messing around with that over here more where in, in Marlins ballpark, you don't, don't have to pitch in that much. You just don't like that ballpark is way too big. Um, and you know, if, and if a right-hander can beat you on a down and away fastball to a right center field, then there's nothing else you could have done anyway. And so you just kind of like play your environment a little bit. And I kind of went back and watched some film of myself pitching in Cincinnati because the ballparks over here are a lot more like Cincinnati than they are like Miami. And so I was trying to like, you know, see some of the differences there and, and noticing little things about how I approached hitters, how I attacked hitters and, um, just trying to get back to kind of that mentality because when it all comes down to, you know, the stuff is there for me. It's just a matter of, of executing one pitch at a time and executing that over and over and over again for an entire season and getting out. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you get out, like people notice. All right, Dan, um, let's wrap up with this. Uh, you know, eight years in the bigs, a lot of different teams. You, you know, you, you definitely had your full taste of pitching in the big leagues. You had a lot of highs, as you mentioned, uh, lows the last couple of years. And now, 
uh, you're pitching in Korea. And I, and I think it goes without saying that I would have to ask at the end of this is that, and even though you may not give me a, an answer because who knows, I mean, you're just starting in the KBO. I mean, is it a goal of yours to pitch a year there, two years there, five years there, then come back, maybe stay? Or have it, I mean, these things have had to cross your mind at some point what the end game is or what the end goal is, no? Um, I mean, my goal is hopefully to play baseball this year. I mean, there's no, there's no known for that. Um, you know, it would be quite ironic if I got to play a full season over here the one year I chose to, to come over here for sure. Um, but I, I would say that my, my goal is to have my son see me pitch in the big leagues at a time when he can remember that. And, and, and so, yeah, that would be hopefully finishing over there. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe that, maybe that's not on the cards for me, but like, if I, if I would say that that was something I would want in life, that is, I want my son to see me pitch in major league baseball when he remembers, not, pictures of him being held up on opening day in Marlins ballpark, not, you know, him playing in the kids room at Marlins ballpark or playing in the kids room in, in, in Baltimore, but actually being in the stands, like watching his dad pitch in the game. Like that's something that would mean a lot to me. And that's something that keeps me going. Something that keeps me really motivated. And uh, I, I can't tell you how long I'm going to be over here. Like that's, I, I wish I could give you an answer on that, but I just, I just don't know. And I just do know that my goal is to, pitch in the States again, pitch in the big leagues and, and have my, my son there to watch. Hmm. Well, then with that, it's, uh, it, it's really, you know, honestly, so commendable, Dan, of, of this journey that you're taking uh, for you and for your family, uh, you know, spending so much time away from them. I've you know, said it before in the interview. I think it's just something that a lot of people don't realize the things that some ballplayers have to do um, and make no mistake about it, it's been great getting to know you for many years and being able to talk to you so often and keep in touch with your career. And uh, always appreciated you as a pitcher here in Miami, for sure. I don't think that uh, Marlins fans did enough. Uh, but, you know, hopefully this will get you back on track, get you back in the big leagues, and then uh, we'll, we'll catch you back here in the U.S. soon or maybe just follow your career in the KBO. Certainly the only thing on TV right now. So uh, I'll be watching you and all of your starts. Good luck. Have a great season, and we'll catch up again soon. And, again, thank you so much for spending so much time with us here. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. <laughs>